Welcome into the show. Thanks for tuning in this Friday, September the 27th. Welcome to the Daniel Ortman Show. It is yours truly coming to you live from the Dream Imaginate Sports Studios. It is 8 a.m. on the East Coast. 6 a.m. out in the mountains. And all time zones in between and around the world. Welcome to the show. Thanks again for tuning in for watching coming up in just a few minutes we have tiffany weimer joining us again on the show really excited to have her back on um she she's uh, entered a new phase in her career and uh, look forward to catching up with her about um the new phase as well as some things going on in women's soccer around the u.s and around the world, uh, quite frankly. Uh, so look forward to uh, having her on here in just a few minutes. Also, it is Friday. And uh, for everybody who is, um, you know, excited that it is Friday, um, we have, uh, again, this Friday today, Open Line Friday. So, uh Join the celebration uh, by finding us on Twitter at Daniel Workman. Slide into the DMs and send us your contact info. We can talk anything uh, American soccer, global soccer, um, you know, related. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll try to get some uh, calls in a little bit later in the show after uh, we have Tiffany on the show. Um, so lots lots going on um, today with the show, uh, our second Open Line Friday. Tiffany joining us here in just a few minutes. Um, exciting uh, stuff happening uh, in and around the show as we continue to try to roll out new segments and new things uh, with our uh, show. And um, really excited about some of those things going on. Um, one of the things I wanted to get to today, right off the top of the show, um, is is a look at an article that I that I was browsing through yesterday about Jaden Sancho. So we talked about Christian Pulisic and his journey. To, to, be, to become a starter and an impact player at Chelsea. He made a transfer in January, um, but didn't complete the move until this summer uh, as he remained at Dortmund for the rest of uh, the, uh, the spring for, uh, for Dortmund in that transfer. And uh, that, re- that move really was made, you know, to, to preemptively uh, – Help Chelsea uh, account for the fact that Hazard was leaving, and they were trying to bring in some uh, some additional players before they hit a transfer ban. So, the the club that that Pulisic left, Borussia Dortmund, has a player, Jaden Sancho, that much of the 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 world is salivating over. Um, he is a young English player; he's nineteen, um, and he he did something that 
had never been done before as an Englishman. He left England to go play for Dortmund. Dortmund had never had an English player uh, play for their first team, and he was the first one to do so. And um, he left Manchester City right when Pep Guardiola was getting there. Just didn't feel like his first team chances were going to come as quickly as he wanted them to. And, you know, Pep was like, you know, we're going to try to take him through a process and this, that, and the other. And Jaden Sancho was like, I think I'm ready for more. I think I'm ready to do more. I think I'm ready uh, for a bigger challenge. And so he bet on himself. And a lot of people at the time uh, were asking the question, what in the world are you thinking? What in the world are you doing? You're leaving Pep Guardiola. You're leaving Manchester City. Um, Are you crazy? Sancho, when he left, had never played a first-team match for Manchester City. His, His friend... Reese Nelson, who's at Arsenal, said going there was a very bold move. Not everyone would have done it. It was brave. Sancho said, when I left Manchester, there were a lot of people that doubted me, saying it's too early to leave England. It's a big club. I might not play. That it was very rare for an English player to do well in Germany. But he bet on himself. He bet on himself. He knew, despite everything else going on, all the comments in the press, he knew what he wanted. He knew what his potential was. And he wanted to go. He wanted to, to make a mark. And he, he wanted to, to bet on him, to bet on himself. And, uh, and and this was a this was an opportunity uh, that he felt he couldn't pass up. He has gotten to Dortmund and has become a key key contributor. Now, before he got there, Christian Pulisic was the young player that was really getting a lot of attention. You had Pulisic, and you had. Dembele, who's now at Barcelona. And they were getting a lot of the press. Dembele leaves, and everyone assumes Pulisic is going to really kind of come into his own last season, beginning last August. But Sancho begins to assert himself and assert himself and assert himself and through a combination of injuries and Sancho's performances, Pulisic started slipping down the pecking order. And he got out to Chelsea and so far... That slide that began at Dortmund that a lot of people weren't really 
talking about, especially in the in the circles of American soccer, because Pulisic, you know, it w- was the darling. He he was the shining light, the example. Everyone was wanting to celebrate. A lot of people weren't looking at that. He gets to Chelsea, and now there's a little bit of a struggle, and um, and now he's going to have to really grind and work and, and and find his way out. I think he has the mentality to do so. I think he has the the work ethic to do so from everything that I've seen, everything that I have um, heard about Christian. I think he's got the opportunity to do so. But this is the reality of an open system. This is a reality of having to prove yourself. You, this is what merit means. You have a player who bets on himself, who does something that no other Englishman had ever done. He bets on himself. And therefore is seeing the rewards. And and it is rumored that either in January or next summer that Jaden Sancho is going to be sold for a lot of money. As it stands right now, the transfer market value on him, I think, is, is somewhere around $100 million. A lot of money. So um, that's the reality of what it takes to deal with an open system from a player perspective. It's not always easy. The opportunities are there, and we talked a little bit about this in regards to to Christian. Your talent and your consistency matters more than anything else, but there are other factors at play. Agents, um, you know, favorites of a coach or a manager, favorites of an owner, etc. cetera. Uh, maybe it's that you're the new shiny toy, so you get preferential treatment. Whatever the case may be, you have to figure out how to break through and rise above all of that. And it's not just a Christian Pulisic thing. This is every player that you see. That pressure does not exist in American soccer. That pressure does not exist in Major League Soccer or the USL. In any level near what you face in Europe. Nowhere. Instead, what what players face here in the U.S., is limited opportunity, limited access. You can't rise above and get rewarded. If you look at the rules of Major League Soccer, for example, it's almost a negative for you to be an American player and play domestically in Major League Soccer. 
your best bet is to go to Europe, build your name, build your brand, play for the U.S. national team. Then you can come back as a designated player and get paid. Then you can be Michael Bradley. Then you can be Josie Altidore. And when you and when you are able to accomplish that level, the way the Major League Soccer system is, what is currently the top level of American soccer from a from a US soccer designation standpoint, when you come back and you do get paid, you're not on a team where where players are played as much paid as much or more than you competing for spots, you're one of two or three players on that team getting paid. The rest are getting pennies on the dollar compared to you. You're guaranteed your spot. The ecosystem has a massive influence and effect on the quality of our players and our play. And those are things that we, as, as American soccer supporters and fans, have to recognize going forward. And one of the ways that we can do that is taking on some uh, short-term pain for the hope of some long-term gain, and we will explore that a little bit later on in the show but uh we've got tiffany weimer coming up here in just a minute but before we do a quick word from our sponsor this half hour ductic brand you can learn more about ductic brand right after this commercial from ductic brand as we have on one of the co-founders tiffany weimer uh but you should go to ducticbrand.com and use the promo code DWSHOW to get 10% off of your next order. Get one of their new t-shirts. It is super cool. Uh, I encourage you to do that. But they've got really good, incredible products and resources for you as a coach or as a player. And uh, you should check them out at ducticbrand.com. We'll be right back after this with Tiffany Weimer.
Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in on this Friday, September the 27th. We are really excited to have joining us again on the show, Tiffany Weimer. She is the former, she's a former professional soccer player, co-founder of Ducktick Brand. She is a girls DA coach with the Oakwood Soccer Club and uh, the director of operations for Yale Women's Soccer. Um, I don't know when you sleep and I don't know what other titles you have, but I know that you are busy and uh, we appreciate you uh, finding some time this Friday morning to uh, to jump on the show with us. Thanks for having me. So uh, when when we last uh, spoke, uh, you were still playing over in Europe, in Denmark, I believe. And, um, you know, you, you, you made some changes since then. We, we go from uh, professional soccer player in Denmark to former professional soccer player. Um, what ultimately led to that decision for you uh, this summer? Uh, it was interesting because in Denmark, we accomplished our goal of moving up to the highest league. Uh, I scored in my last professional game. I kind of left Denmark thinking, you know, that was that was a pretty good ending. No one's going to ever have a perfect ending, but that was a pretty good ending. And I had every intention of, of continuing to play, but I actually came back and decided to go try out for Sky Blue in New Jersey. and. Um, interesting enough, I was in, in training one day and it was hot. It was so hot. We were on turf and, uh, the team was doing extra running. And at that point I just was like, you know what? I don't want to do this sprint right now. I don't want to run. I don't want to do the extra stuff that I have to do. So that's when I kind of realized this is it because I've always done the extra stuff. I've always wanted to do everything possible to be on the field. And at that point I was like, that's a, that's a pretty good sign for me. So you you realize at that moment that okay, got to transition, got to do some, got to do something else. Um, still love the game, but I'm not necessarily in love with the process of what it takes to to stay at my best to be a professional soccer player. So at at that point, what's going through your head in terms of options next chapter? At that point, I was I was not really ready for that decision to happen. You know, um, you could say that you'll you'll be prepared when the transition happens and it's always coming. But uh, you know, after 12 years, I still didn't I wasn't really ready for it. And I just thought I'll see what happens. Um, I'll kind of just you know take my time, feel out some options, and then everything happened really quickly. I I thought I would just reach out to Oakwood and see if they were you know, interested in having any different coaches for the year. And they were immediately. And then I was working at the Yale uh, ID camp this summer. And that's when the coaching staff thought it would be good to have me in some capacity working with the coaching staff uh, in the team this, this fall. So I was like, okay, let's do this. Let's do everything. Let's try everything, see what I like and what I don't like, because that's the only way I'm going to find out. And um, I just kind of jumped in. So you start, let, let's start first down the, the girls DA soccer coach path. Um, what age group did you 
or, or age groups did you uh, get put with and how has that process been for you in terms of uh, transitioning from, from wearing your player hat every day into your, your coaching hat as your primary uh, hat that you're wearing every day? I'm actually working with the under 16, under 17, and then the under 19, all with um, the DA director, Matt Cameron, who oversees everything. Uh, we work together. He's been amazing at helping me with the transition from off the field to on the field and, um, you know, giving me freedom to work and learn and also guiding me as somebody who's been in, you know, the youth soccer scene for, I think it was probably 20 years or more. Um, so that's been a really good balance of getting to try things and also, you know, learning at the same time. Welcome back into the show. It is Friday, September the 27th. We are joined by Tiffany Weimer. If you were watching the show a few minutes ago, we had a catastrophic technological failure. Um, not quite as catastrophic as the American soccer system, but uh, pretty close. Um so we are we are here with Tiffany Weimer, and we were chatting about um, you know her transition into coaching and uh, this new chapter of her career and her her life uh, from being a professional soccer player to to now shifting into being a former professional soccer player. And uh, I was asking you, Tiffany, about the. Uh, transition in the in the influence and the conversations that you're having as a a da coach and and kind of what ages are you coaching and and what has that conversation been like so um in in your training sessions in in the environment the girls da environment this is a um you know a younger program in terms of uh, how long the program's been around compared to the boys DA program. What is that experience like dealing with these young ladies, talking with these young ladies and, and how has your career as a player uh, been able to be a resource for you and for them uh, while you're coaching? I think it's been really um, interesting because they are meeting somebody who has already gone through the process that they're going through from, you know, the first step in playing youth soccer to playing, um, maybe playing a couple years of high school. And then now really focusing on their development, focusing on trying to play in college. Um, I think for them to see that it's, you know, I'm just a regular person live with them every single day and kind of giving them information about what it takes and what I've had to do to get there has helped them maybe refocus what you know, they've been doing, everyone thinks they're working hard. Everyone thinks they're doing the most, but uh, in reality, there's much more you can be doing and other people who are doing more. And I think coming out of the state of Connecticut, especially um, a lot of players don't realize (laughs) that there's a big country and there's a lot of players that are from California who get to play outside all year round or Texas and Florida where, you know, some of the bigger clubs, have been developing top level female players for 10, 15 years. And maybe we're a little bit behind sometimes. So in, in your work, you're also now 
taken on this this role of director of op- director of operations, if I can get my mouth to work this morning, um, with the Yale women's soccer team. So, in program, what are your roles there or role, and uh, and 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 how is that experience different? than uh, what you're doing uh, in terms of with with the DA? Um, at Yale, basically, they have everything under control. <laughs> the, the staff that works there, Brendan Charity, um, he, is, he does an extremely great job everywhere he's been, um, but especially now being able to see him up close. Um, I give my insight when asked, but... For the most part, I'm kind of learning and just kind of getting a feel for the college um, experience because I've never been up close um, at a at a bigger D1 school like this. So I think you know mainly my role is just to kind of share my experiences with the coaching staff and my opinions when I watch film or watch practice or the games and try to just improve in air, just improve a little bit in areas that, that I can. So uh, a lot has happened since uh, we had you on the, the first time uh, on a macro level, as well as on a personal level for you transitioning from being a professional player to now wearing um, your coaching hat, your director of operations hat. Um, you're still uh working with with your company ductic brand um who we're big fans of here on the show and um at the same time this macro world has been going on the u.s women's national team won the uh, the world cup this summer in france um as you watch that that tournament what stood out to you in terms of uh the u.s team uh specifically I think something that always stands out to me about those players and that team is, you know, there's um, a mentality that is unmatched by probably any sports team, men or women in the world. I think that when you lose that kind of confidence and know the kind of work that they put in every single day, it's only uh, natural that they are going to be the best team in the world year after year. Um, I think that there's so much to be learned from that group, but I don't always see that trickle down to younger players. They watch women's team and they are usually starstruck. Um, but it's not, it's not as a direct impact as I would expect from a young player watching them going home and just going crazy to be, you know, at that level. I don't know if I explained that well, but no, I, 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 yeah, I definitely think uh, I'm following with that. One of the things um, that I noticed uh, about this team um, during this tournament uh, was what you were picking up on in terms of that, the mentality of that team, I do think is, is probably the greatest level when it comes to, being hunted as but having that that killer elite mentality um we know you're coming for us but we are still going to come at you um that it might be the best that i've ever seen 
uh, from a team. Um, it's just a belief, a self-belief, a confidence that, that is there amongst that group uh, that is in rarefied air. It may, may be completely unrivaled um, and certainly nothing we've ever seen on, on the women's side. But I, I, I would say of any sport, male or female, uh, that, I, that I've ever seen, just to know that, that the world is coming for you and and everything is coming at you and still having the ability to just continually rise to the challenge and meet it um you know it was impressive um in in the uh in the case of the the women's world cup what what did you see from other countries other teams um watching the tournament uh do you feel like you're you're seeing the game you know you spent time in europe you spent time in brazil do, do you do you see the game growing around the world and do you see the quality continuing to get better uh was that shown for you in this world cup yeah for sure it was it was really enjoyable to watch um spain um play against the u.s and uh some of the england games i think one thing that i've noticed um, since playing in WPS and NWSL, uh, that whenever we have a lot of foreign players in our league and then they go back to their country, I think that, you know, American players kind of become human because you see them every day in training. You see that they make mistakes. You see that, you know, they are not perfect. I think that in the past, the U.S. was always so separate from other countries. So there was just kind of like a magic around them that they were untouchable. Um, so I think the more, you know, that we, we can get foreign players in the league, it helps the league, of course, but it also kind of helps those countries to not only learn from the American players, but also realize, hey, I can play with them and we can play with them. Um, I, that's something I've noticed for, for the past like eight years. So, in in observing and watching, uh, you, you brought up Spain. I, I was big fan fan of Spain um, on the on the men's and the women's side of of the ledger. My favorite club team, Barcelona, obviously in Spain. Uh, I love watching the Spanish national team play uh, on the men's and women's side, and I think I think the the women's program is is going to continue to to grow and rise there in Spain. Um, Bill Plaschke, um, a columnist for the uh, LA Times, uh, right after the World Cup, uh, published an article with the, the headline, uh, Los Angeles' uh, Latina Club is trying to change the face of women's soccer. And one of the things that he brought up in this article um, is he, he said, uh, during a victory speech in New York City this week, U.S. star Megan Rapino said, we got white girls, black girls, and everything in between. And he pointed out, actually, they don't. The team had five players of color, but no Latinas. Um, and he was his whole article was about this club in L.A. that's trying to change that, uh, which is a club um, that's primarily focused on uh, development and, and opportunities uh, for Latina players there in L.A. Um, and, and he went on to say that the girls from downtown found it hard to relate to a group that doesn't look like them. Uh, one of the their their 15 year old striker said, no, they don't. That's why I like watching them and everything. But I still say my idol is Lionel Messi. Uh, when we look at our, our women's program and our women's team, why is it that we haven't figured out um, or found 
um, more Latina players uh, to integrate into our, our women's national team? And don't you think it's for the same reason that we haven't for the men too? You know, it's kind of like we are pretty fixated on um, having certain players in, in the biggest clubs in the country. And there's a, um, a financial burden that comes along with playing for these clubs that's uh, unbelievable compared to when I played. And I think that we, you know, promote a certain brand every time we talk about, you know, female players and promote female players. And I think that whenever we do that, we push down others. And, you know, it's just like, there's nothing that's been equal or fair, um, especially in women's soccer. I mean, I, I, the answers are, they're all over the place. So when, when we look at um, the league, the NWSL, um, you spent some time in the league you it was it was in a tryout for the league um, that you you realized hey um, maybe I need to transition into uh, the next chapter of, of my career uh, transitioning from from uh, player to, to coach and administration etc. Um, we see the invest investments taking place overseas in some of these women's leagues. Look at the uh, the the league in England, um, the FA uh, pouring. Uh, I believe it was seventy five million pounds uh, into the league. Um, looking at the NWSL, down at nine uh, franchises. How important is it for us as a country to double down and make? the NWSL and women's professional soccer, uh, the best that it can be, um, you know, in terms of for our national team, but just for the young ladies of our, of the U S how is it, how important is it for us to, to build the NWSL? I think it's really important. I think that that goes without saying, um, I think a lot of young players right now are smart and they see playing professional soccer as something that maybe would be cool, but it's not going to pay the bills. It's not going to pay their student loans. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to do all that much if you're not in the very small percentage of players that are making a lot of money at the national team level. You know, I think it used to be when, when I was young, I used to think about being a professional soccer player and since it, since I didn't know what it looked like, I could imagine that it was this, you know, glorious lifestyle um, because we only had the men's programs to look at. And I think now that the reality of what the league is um, is pretty uh, is pretty out there. It's not always the most. It's not glamorous. There's nothing glamorous about it. So if I'm a young player right now and and professional soccer is is a question in my life, I'm like, well, I'm not sure. You know, I, I know because I've been through it and I think it's the most amazing experience that you can have as an athlete, but that's not going to be the case for a lot of these younger players who after college, which usually is the goal in youth soccer playing in college, 
um, there's not much after in their eyes. So if we can have the NWSL and improve it and make it something that's um, a little bit more, a little bit more glamorous, (laughs) just a little, I think that we'll get a lot more out of younger players and have a better quality of youth soccer at the the, um, girls' level. How important is it when we look at the NWSL, how important is it, do you think, uh, to to not just improve the the quality uh, in terms of pay the the player experience uh, for the current nine franchises, but to grow that number of franchises so that there's more access to the NWSL geographically around the country. Yeah, I mean, if if the NWSL can figure out improving the teams that are there first and then grow. I think that, uh, you know, players want to go to games. Coaches want to take their kids to games, but there's not, there's not enough. Like you said. Is it, when, when you look at the league, I, I like, for example, with the U S soccer federation, uh, has had a, had a big influence, uh, over the NWSL. Uh, many have, have speculated, uh, that former president of U S soccer, Sunil Gulati was in fact, the de facto kind of behind the scenes, um, you know, commissioner kind of overseeing that project, uh, while he was president of U S soccer. And, uh, since his departure um, that, that it's not been as big of a priority for the Federation. There's a lot of speculation of, of this uh, agreement between us soccer and the NWSL uh, finishing at the end of this year and a lot of uncertainty going forward with the league management communications on social media things going on uh, read the other day where, where I believe it was the, Portland Thorns didn't even realize they had clinched a playoff spot, um, and and so there's a lot of a lot of like league league level communication um, issues or management issues. How when 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 you're looking at the game from afar, you're in you're in Europe and you're playing. Um, do you are you able to see those things when you're away? I mean, are you hearing the chatter from from former teammates or friends in the game? Is it obvious, or are these things that are kind of behind the scenes that people just don't know about and not really sure why things have have sputtered a little bit? Or what is the what is your feeling there in terms of where the NWSL is and uh, and and some of those areas that need to get addressed in the short term? I think a lot of the players that I talk to are working hard to change and make the league better. So a lot of the conversations are around the improvements that have happened and where we've come and what we can do to make it better for the players. So I know um, yeah, Oliver Bush is doing a ton of work uh, in order to improve the experience for players. And I think a lot of the conversation is not necessarily around, you know, all the bad things, but the good things, and a lot of us know what we started with, and that's what's hard, you know. Started with nothing, and I think, you know, watching the Spirit play at Audi and the kind of crowds that they've gotten in and Sky Blue at Red Bull, you know, you look at those kinds of things and you say, wow, that, that wasn't happening three years ago. That wasn't even coming close to happening. So it's so hard to always focus on the bad and, 
and ignore the good or vice versa because the reality is we could be gone in a year or two and no, you know, there's nothing we can do even, even when we do the best, give our best efforts to improve it. So looking at the league, looking at, you know, women's professional soccer in this, in, in the U S um, you're, you're transition transitioning into coaching and, you know, director of operations, you're running, uh, you know, your, your company, uh, duct tech brand, you have all these projects going on. One of the questions that, that, maybe you don't think about uh, in the moment while you're getting up every day and training to be a professional soccer player is legacy. And um, when you look at um, players like yourself, uh, Yael uh, and others, when it comes to legacy and, and leaving uh, professional soccer in a better place than, than what you, your generation, uh, you know, found it. Um, how important is that for you, uh, built, leaving a legacy for the next generation where they can kind of build off of, of where you guys, uh, were and, and where the league is now. How important is that for you? Uh, I think, you know, in, in my own mind, I'm a legend and I think that I think about legacy. I'm looking at my trophy case right now and it's kind of smiling. So I, <laughs> I, uh, I think that the, the thing that is most important to me and that I pass on and that lives on well past uh, my time on this planet is that I love the game. I'm very passionate about it. All the extra stuff that comes with it is great, but it's extra. And I think that a lot of players don't allow themselves to just love the game for what it is for the feeling that they get when they play and everybody's trying to get something out of it all the time. You know, they always say, I put all this time in parents are putting all this money in the game. Doesn't owe you anything. It never will. It never does. But if you can play truly for the love of it, because you enjoy doing it, you will see that a lot of that stuff will happen naturally. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. I think there's always a means to an end and there's always something extra. There's always a, uh, you know, something behind the scenes. But if people can, if I can, you know, live that life that I've always lived about are within the game and show people that a lot of good can come if you just let yourself love it and put everything into it then I've done my job, even if I just impact one person, one other person, because that person will pass it on. It'll continue. So that's, that's the legacy that I see for myself as it's, it's about soccer. You know, the rest of the stuff can happen naturally. So speaking of love of the game, it's, it's obviously influenced every aspect of your life. Uh, and one of those is, is business as well. So, um, from a business standpoint, you've got Ductic brand. What's going on with Ductic and uh, got anything new that uh, recently released you want to talk about or maybe some things down the, the, coming down the pipeline? That is um, a great question, and you almost got me. <laughs> uh, we are unable to release the new products yet, but we do have a bunch coming up in October and November. And we're really excited about them because we're going to hit up a few different areas of um, the soccer world, which we're excited about. 
and also some new different products that will only um, enhance coaches' ability to organize. I think that with that company, I, that's you know when I get to work on the brand during the day, I, that's probably when I'm most excited because I feel like I can work at a macro level when I'm working on, on that company. And when I'm working with Yale or Oakwood, I'm working on a micro level and trying to, you know, directly impact individuals. But the the work that we're doing with Disciplinary, we really want to try to influence as many coaches and players as possible um, with our products and other things that we have going on. So some new stuff coming, but got to keep it on lockdown. Sorry. We're getting close. October is uh, days away, so uh, I meant November. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so we're 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 a few weeks away. I don't uh, know the month actually. So, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do we, should we expect an an Apple type of an announcement? Are we going to have a a big showcase uh, countdown? Um, uh, lines out the door. We got to be getting close to that, right? Close to that. I mean, these products are incredible. I think one of the, the the problem maybe we have is that we get so excited when we have something and we're, and it's ready that we release it as soon as I, well, it's usually me when I'm I'm saying to Addie, "Okay, today we got to do it today," and then you know everything just comes out all at once. So. I think once we get to Apple's level, maybe we can prepare a few days ahead for a release. But there you go. Well, you just you just let me know, and uh, and I'll get in line with everyone else, uh, and and we'll we'll we will we will get our orders in, and uh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I I I talk about it every day on the show. Um, I think that uh, the company is fantastic. The products are awesome, and uh, I do look forward to seeing some of the new ones come out, um, and 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 what those may hold um since we weren't able to get a sneak peek out of you today uh we will we will at least uh wait with anticipation for for november uh it's curiously timed uh with christmas right around the corner so uh well done uh whether that was you or addy on the the timing of the release Uh, a lot of christmas presents uh seems seems to be uh uh, timed perfectly uh, for that release. So, um, kudos to you guys with uh, with, with that release, and this good luck with the company uh, and the and the products that you are going to be coming out with. And uh, thanks for coming on the show uh, again for everybody watching or maybe listening to this later. Uh, we apologize for some of the technical difficulties we had earlier. We did have a, uh, a catastrophic uh, failure on the the technology side. We we hope that we've been able to get all that uh, sorted out and corrected. It seems that uh, the system's been stable uh, since we were able to get back on the air and uh, appreciate Tiffany's patience uh, with that uh, process and uh, and for spending time with us today talking about her career, um, the U.S. Women's National Team, professional soccer, uh, and, and always like to uh, to talk about DuckTick. Um, I, I just I love the brand. I love the company and love what they stand 
stand for. So, um, you know, if you if you get a chance to check them out, go to ductickbrand.com and you'll see their current products. And as Tiffany, Tiffany mentioned, keep an eye on that space because there will be some new ones coming out very soon, even though she wouldn't tell us exactly what those are yet. Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we'll get a sneak peek, right? <laughs> right. So, uh, th- yeah. thanks for coming on the show today, Tiffany. We really do appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. That is Tiffany Weimer. I really appreciate her coming on the show. The sponsor of this half hour is Charity Water. You can learn more about Charity Water at charitywater.org. We'll be right back after this. No one. No man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly transforms them. It changes everything. You could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the life of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink, and we will continue fighting until that happens. Welcome back into the show. Thanks for tuning in and uh, being patient today. We've had uh, a lot of techni- technical issues. 
internet outages uh, started happening in the in the area of the studio yesterday after the show, and uh, we thought everything was sorted out. Had had some again uh, this morning, and uh, we apologize for the technical difficulties. Uh, we will try to get this this show chopped up and put back together, um, and uh, as best we can, uh, and it will be available. Uh, hopefully later today for uh, the audio podcast to go back and listen to. I really would like to thank uh, Tiffany Weimer for joining the show, being patient. Uh, unfortunately, we just ran out of time today on our uh, Open Line Friday, and uh, maybe we'll do a special edition next week uh, to get more of your feedback on the show. As always, you can watch the show on facebook.com forward slash WRKMN or at DanielWorkman.com. Find me on Twitter or Instagram at Daniel Workman. Thanks uh, for watching, following the show. As always, the support is amazing, and we thank you so much for that. We look forward to seeing everybody on Monday. Have a great, great weekend, everybody. We'll see you then.